0: This is the Thriving in Singleness podcast, where it's not about surviving, but thriving in this chapter of your life. Here are your hosts, Tom DeLong and Joshua Erickson.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Thriving in Singleness. Hey, Josh, how's it going?
0: It's going good. Back for another episode. We're on a yeah. roll.
1: We are on a roll. I like this. We we tend to go on our stints, like multiple episode recording in a row, then, then big break, which is nice. It all works out, and, and we can be focusing on other aspects, and and so it's, yeah, it's really awesome. Are you, I know that we're expecting a snow slash ice storm here tomorrow. I don't know if you're expecting anything like that.
0: It's supposed to get really cold, like four degrees next week or something, and I'm not excited oh, for that. Oh, man. So I, I don't, lo- I'm not someone who looks at the weather very often. All right. Until I wake up, and I'm like, "Oh, I have to scrape my car off, and then I just mm-hmm. embrace it, so I'm always looking for snow
1: I, I like I gotta snow look ahead and hope for the snow, yeah,
0: I very much dislike scraping my car off in the morning. That is yeah. probably one of the things I drives me a little bit like to the level of annoyance that I'm like, "Why do I live here in Michigan so
1: yeah, yeah, but and then the the cold weather and and no snow is like. Always winter, never Christmas. Like, that's yeah a, the bummer. That's no part fun. About that
0: I'll take snow. I'll yeah. take snow if I'm gonna get cold yeah. weather.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad that today I, I just got my voice back for the most part. Right now, it's the sweet spot where it's a little bit deeper, uh, and I think my voice sounds better than what it normally does. So I think I'm in good shape to record today. Uh, however, I mean my, my wife's my wife is sick, so that sucks. Mm. My daughter is sick. So that sucks. Work has been just really busy, so that sucks. But tomorrow's Thursday. Got the three day weekend ahead and that should not suck. So And we're almost really we're getting looking closer forward to, that. to
0: you know See, I, I have to remember where, the, where these episodes are dropping because the last episode was after Christmas, but technically we're still getting closer to Christmas. So, you know, hint, hint on when we're Yeah, right now this, it's, but...
1: we're still leading up to Christmas, but yeah, Christmas yeah. shouldn't suck. But like, you know what else should not suck?
0: This singleness. Episode. And this episode. <laughs> yeah,
1: this, this episode <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't suck, but singleness shouldn't suck. And today Absolutely. we actually have the author of Single Shouldn't Suck. We've got Esther Marie joining us today. Esther, how are you doing today?
2: Yo, I love that tea up you brought in here. That was
1: fire.
2: <laughs> you planned that? That was good. <laughs> uh, a,
1: a little bit of preparation. I did. I did a yeah, little bit of ahead yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, I felt that. That was. I was on a roll with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing so good. It's such an honor to be a part of the thriving in singleness community. And yeah. thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. So, man, I'm I'm stoked for us to kind of dig in a little bit about what's inspired your book and, you know, what God's been doing with you in that. And, and so for yourself, like I, I know on social media, you, you're in a relationship right now and I'm interested in also just knowing that it.
2: now I have no credibility with anyone. Everyone just turned off the podcast. They're no longer going to listen. I know, to right? I'm not single anymore. <laughs> <Which point? laughs> it's,
1: yeah. And it, it it's kind of tough, like, because, you know, in one aspect, I mean, I've been married for eight years, so if there's like a feeling of not credibility, I have that sometimes. But yeah. when when God has just altered your heart and given you a passion about a subject, you just really want to speak on it. And I have to just focus on that passion that God has given me and, and roll with it, even though it might seem a little backwards. But, man, I want people to experience that joy that I found in my singleness prior to meeting my wife, and I want people... To be able to go into a marriage with the the knowledge of who they are and the confidence in who they are and and trusting in God and laying Him as a foundation and and not laying a, a false foundation of of just like looking to get married to get married, but you know following right. what God has led them into. So yeah, there's so many dynamics in play with it. I want people to avoid the traps that are involved in in putting marriage above all else yeah. because it's, it's an awesome thing. Marriage is wonderful, but man, being married to the wrong person, that sucks. Like if you talk about things that suck, like single shouldn't suck, but marriage shouldn't suck either. And if you do singleness well, that can prepare you to do marriage well. And that's the position I tend to hold here. So I know that I've shared my story on the podcast I have two episodes surrounding that now for yourself like what was what was your big turning point when it went from singleness sucks to singleness shouldn't suck
2: yeah well I will say um, 10 years ago I was searching for every book that I could get my hands on to give me a affirmation that my singleness mattered. Every book mm-hmm. that I was reading on singleness was all about how to prepare myself for marriage. They were all yeah. written by pastors who met their wife in seminary or in youth group or something like that through this miraculous you know line of events that God put them together. They've been married for 35 years and then they decided to write a book on singleness. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I'm getting all of this amazing theological biblical foundation for, you know, how to wait for the one and how God is going to reward me with the most amazing sex life. If I stay a virgin until I, you know, get married and all of these sayings and kind of um, just this culture within Christendom at the time, was painting a picture that didn't didn't really add up as I started to get older and in my singleness. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing, wait a second, I'm so focused on trying to find the one and be a good Christian girl, do all the right things to please God in order for him to bless me when the time is right in his perfect, mysterious yeah. timing as he's holding my, spe- my future spouse behind his back and I'm a yeah. good girl, then he'll bless me with, like the world's greatest marriage ever. And it will mm-hmm. just be the ultimate level of fulfillment. I'll reach the finish line and sail off into the sunset. <laughs> and I started realizing, wait a second, I am not living my life. I am, I am yeah. missing out on the moment. I'm missing out on the season. And everyone is telling me to focus on this imaginary finish line. Mm-hmm. But God is telling me, hey, how about you say yes to that date? How about you get to know yourself? How about you go on an adventure to Yosemite? How Mm -hmm. about you get to know yourself and go on a journey of self-discovery? And I just started, I started seeing life differently, not through the lens of when will my calling in life truly begin when I meet the one, but, but where is God leading me in the bigger picture of my life? And what if this singleness thing is the way it's supposed to be?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's incredible. And it's such a, an amazing revelation to, to recognize, like, you know, we shouldn't be chasing after this imaginary finish line. And I like how you said, you know, God holding, you know, this the one behind his back, just waiting for you to be good enough in order right. to be introduced. And so, yeah, in the meantime, you have to really, you know, focus on what God's calling is right now. There's so much that can be missed. And that's what I don't want people to do is like, I don't want people to miss out on what God has in front of them. And I love that revelation that God had given you. So, so when when you, when you had that revelation, you know, it sounds like you, you started going on adventures. You started chasing after your purpose. Like what all, what did that all look like? What adventures, what purpose did you find in your your singleness?
2: Well, I'll tell you uh, the wake up call happened the day, that i realized how incredibly awkward weird and unprepared i was (laughs) to interact with even the opposite sex at the time i was at a bowling alley my crush was there i like somehow mustered up this courage to talk to him my palms were sweaty (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it was this whole moment where i realized i don't even know myself i'm not even confident in who i am and that very next day I decided to write single shouldn't suck. I didn't know it would be called that at the time. <laughs> I decided that I would begin journaling my season of singleness and my dates and my adventures. And in that I would be I would be completely honest with my readers. I would be completely honest with myself and honest with God and fully transparent in the writing process. But I needed to go on this journey for myself. And I thought that I would go on a couple of adventures. You know, I'd go on a couple dates and I'd be married within a year and the book would be done. But yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: as I began to live this adventure, I mean, I was living in Huntington Beach, California. I still live in California. Nice. Uh, I was living with my two best friends in a little beach bungalow. We were the bungalow babes. We lived <laughs> down by the pier. We would surf every morning. We just started really indulging in what life had to offer us in that season and I mean, we would go on trips to Yosemite, uh, hike Half Dome. We would, had encounters with bears. I mean, the, <laughs> the stories that began to transpire because of my surrender to the season was absolutely mind-blowing. I never knew I could want singleness more than I wanted marriage. I never knew I could want the adventure. God was opening up in my life more than I could want a relationship. And not that those things are bad or not that it's wrong to want those things. It's okay to mm-hmm. hold both the longing and the satisfaction of what you already have. And so as I began to live this and experience it and go through heartbreak and go through all the kind of the the things that season you through your singleness, I began to journal about it and God began to give me revelation of what it means to to walk with him and to live in in full surrender to his presence and his and in obedience to him but not miss out on my calling and not miss out on on anything that he's he's purposed within me.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful cuz you can you can still desire marriage yeah. and you can also enjoy where God has you. You know that it's not just it's not a pick one kind of situation. I love that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's been I mean I I started um I actually made a pact with myself. I made a pact with myself, I think when I was 25 and I said, all right, I don't have a boyfriend right now. If I'm honest with myself, I know I want to be single a little bit longer because I know that there's so much more Mm -hmm. I want to do just in the selfishness that i can righteously have in this season yeah. and i know that there's more that i i want to grow in and I, I just personally had a conviction that that's what deep down that's what i want and so i made a pact with myself that i wouldn't think about marriage until i turned 30. okay and so that really freed me up because everyone's pressure on them in their 20s is oh my gosh i don't want to be alone in my 30s <laughs> like what yeah. if i wake up and i'm alone and I just decided, no, that is going to be the moment where I really start to seriously consider marriage unless I meet someone and God like starts lining things up. And like mm-hmm. that's super clear and obvious, but I'm not going to seek it out and I'm not going to make that my end goal. I'm going to really allow God to lead me in this season and really put intentional thought into it once I turn 30.
1: Awesome. And so did did that give you a lot more confidence in yourself oh, yeah. throughout the singleness?
2: Yeah. And just, I think it just took the pressure off. to took the yeah. pressure off of me feeling like I needed that as like a credential mm-hmm. for even being viewed as a leader, for being um, accepted socially or for feeling validated in my personal sense of identity. It took the pressure off of like, oh, I don't need that. I removed that as my, because it, it, it's so inundated into us that that's like a, a a safety right or it makes us feel like we have more significant meaning by having a significant other mm-hmm. um or acceptance i mean so many things and, and and there are there's validity to some of that but um yeah it just took the pressure of, off of all of that
1: now in your relationship that you're in right now how do you think the perspective that you were able to gain in your singleness has helped you in your relationship?
2: Well, I believe that it really enabled me to stay in my lane and to Mm. stay focused on what God has called me to because I think when you're dating someone, it's really easy to kind of like veer off of the path that God has you on and kind of just join them on their path and kind of make them your identity, make their community your community and your Mm -hmm. world their world, and you become consumed and you make that an idol. And when you lose sight of, of just the words that God has given you, the promises he's given you, the calling, the leadership, the anointing on your life, um, the commission, just the individuality that God has placed within mm-hmm. you, when you, when you forego that um, and you, you lose yourself in this person, now you've, you've lost sight of your first love, Jesus. You've yeah. lost sight of his lordship over your life. You've made this other person lord of your life. In a sense, you made your relationship the main thing. And so I think in singleness, what I found was because I was so locked in, and I will tell you, I had the opposite effect. I, I had the opposite um, experience in my relationship. I had to learn how to not be single anymore because yeah. I was so good at it and I loved it yeah. and I missed it. When I got in this relationship, it's was like, ah, I miss my girls. I miss going on adventures with them. I miss my freedom. I, I was such a – yeah, it was hard for me, honestly. I, I put up a lot of walls, and I ran away a lot at the beginning of the relationship because I was just so comfortable being single. So, um, yeah, I think that even with that, though, it was still a good balance because eventually, like, love began to happen in the relationship and teach me how to be fully present but I could still be focused on the call. I could still have my individuality. I, I still have, I'm still in my own lane, but we're like lanes together, running next yeah. to each other.
1: Yeah. And it's, and also, I mean, for people who end up changing lanes and building their identity in somebody else in a relationship, when that relationship falls apart, they're wrecked. Like, they don't even know who they are anymore. <laughs> And that's, that's what's so dangerous because it can really throw somebody for a loop because then it's like, that's over and it's like, where am I in life? Who am I? Like, what do I do with this time now? And so it's, it it turns confusion. It, it it creates a depression. It, Mm -hmm. it makes it a lot more difficult to, to be able to move forward because you didn't you didn't l- just lose that relationship. you lost so much of who you were or who you, or who you thought you were and then you're yeah. building from scratch. So like that's yeah that's what can really wreck people and, and that's that's why there's the importance of of having that confidence in singleness, knowing who you are and when you get in a relationship that isn't what God called for you, singleness shouldn't be a scary thing to revert back to. You know, right. if, if you were in your relationship and you were finding things that just weren't lining up, like this isn't making sense. Now, this guy's heart isn't where it should be for the Lord. Yeah. It, I I know your attitude. Like I can tell you'd just be like, peace. See it. Like, this is not right. This is not where God wants me. And, yeah. and that's, that's the important part because so many people waste a lot of time in, in unhealthy, toxic relationships. And yeah. that's, that's a part of building a foundation in a relationship.
2: Right. And there's a healthy attachment that comes in a relationship, right? Because Mm -hmm. as you start to get deeper into the relationship, you know, you, you are attached to your wife. You guys are intimate. You have an intimate relationship. You've been together for eight years. You're not kind of like waiting for any day things to implode. And then you're going to be like, peace. Like that's on you. You know, there's, there's going to be, and there's going to be, you know, if, if, if that were to happen, you kind of have to walk yourself through it and say, okay, like, I'm not bracing myself for disappointment. I'm not bracing myself for the worst, Mm -hmm. but if, if the worst were to happen, God, you are my source. You are my anchor. You are my everything, Jesus, not this person. And so, yeah, you do have to kind of check yourself in the relationship because I have found myself kind of being like, oh man, you know, like, gosh, like what if like the worst of the worst randomly happened and, and we did break up and I kind of had to process that emotionally and, and say, you know, thank you, God, for this healthy attachment, but um, but, God, I know that you would keep me. I know you would you would protect me. I know you would be my safe place and that ultimately you're my source and that your love will sustain me through that. But, um, but, yeah, I wouldn't bring that into a relationship and kind of um, say that, you know, it's not healthy to – yeah, you're going to grieve. Yeah. I mean, that's a breakup. You're going to grieve, so yeah. – it's the nature of of just that happening.
1: Yeah, and and oftentimes, I mean, people that are are not good in their singleness that don't love their singleness to them, to them, singleness just sucks, and yeah. they end up settling for a marriage that they feel just sucks slightly less. You know, so right. I think a much better perspective is to just love your singleness, live it out, chase after the passions that God has for you, and make it as incredible as possible and then the goal is if you meet somebody it it should make it even better than that yeah so then that sets you up for you know a solid lifetime as with Christ as a foundation and incredible adventures together and and so you know I I can speak you know eight years into it you know it's it's been a happy marriage I remember like you know two three years people are like you know, and we're like, you know, happily married, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's still early. You guys have just been married a couple of years. It's a honeymoon phase. And man, like at, at this point, I just have to say, I will have to just call it a happy marriage. I mean, that's just what it yeah. is.
2: It's good. That's so good. I hate those naysayers. Oh, I hate it when yeah. people like project their fears and project their hurt on you. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be like that. And people do that in singleness. We don't realize how much religiousness and religious uh, kind of slogans and sayings and uh, encouragements like, oh, honey, um, God's got your man. He He's just waiting for you to just, you know, seek him with all your heart. And once you're content in mm-hmm. him, then, you know, your man is going to come right around the corner. You know, it's yeah. like, we think that the great Aunt Betty Sue is, is like, Giving us God's word. <laughs> yeah. And trying to encourage us, but actually, that's putting fear in us. Mm-hmm. And that's putting a contingency on God's love. His love is unconditional. He's not yeah. waiting for me to do anything to receive his blessings or his goodness. It, it's just, there's mystery there, and that's okay. And we don't have to try to figure out all the answers to the things we don't understand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're like deep into this podcast. I want to give Josh a chance to speak. I hope, yeah, Josh, hope Josh over there doesn't feel like we've we've been cutting not him out. Of all. Anything.
0: Like I said, I'm always happy to be a fly <laughs> on the wall. But uh, no, just touching on a little bit yeah. of just like walking in singleness and and kind of even that not falling into the fear and and just kind of how to process a lot of it. Um, I know a couple years back I had this realization that um, you know in praying you know, to like, okay, Lord, you know, I'm I'm praying to find someone, praying for a relationship, praying for an open door, whatever that may be. And at the time I was praying about a specific situation, but I, it hit me. And it was like, even if I got a relationship, I would not be who I want to be in that relationship. Like I was, I was expecting to get a relationship and then that would fix my problems. And there, it was a very real moment for me of, That means I'm going into this really – I would be going into a relationship, not the best version of who I can be, and I would be weighing down that relationship. And even if it is a great relationship, eventually I would lose it because I wouldn't be, like, healthy. I wouldn't be whole. I wouldn't be in a spot where that relationship could thrive. I would be weighing it down with all the things that I need to deal with on my own, which it really – for me, it became – a moment to address the fact that I need to be healthy before a relationship to have a healthy relationship. And that was a moment for me to, to stop kind of sitting in self pity or sitting in a situation of like, okay, God, I just need an open door and then I'll feel better about my situation. I just need a relationship and then I'll be like in a better spot. And it's like, that's kind of a mentality of it's not in my control. So I kind of have to sit and wait rather than um, make a difference in my own life by choosing to think in a better way to choose to, to go out and do the things that are uncomfortable but help me grow, really become who I want to be. And that was a moment of realization of okay, I can't just sit back and, and be like, okay Lord, I want a relationship and, and not expect to to grow myself and make sure I'm in a healthy place for a relationship because i had the expectation that okay i just need a relationship and that will help me when it's like the real the realistic nature of it is if you're unhealthy your healthy relationships will follow the trend of your own health not like kind of fix your your unhealthiness so it was a moment of you know you you got to take ownership of your own personal health and you can't put that on a relationship because i think a lot of people say Oh, I'll fix that when I'm in a relationship. Oh, I won't do that when I'm in a relationship. I'll be, you know, I'll be mm. I won't be as lonely in a relationship. So this these parts of my life will be easier because I have someone next to me and it's like that's just not reality. Like your personal health is your personal health. Like there's a relationship health, but your personal health you can't get rid of. Like you have to face that 100% and you know, you, you can't run away from that. Um I know another thing is I think also, you know, something that you have to be aware of when you're, you're single is kind of, as as you're saying, like this, there's this tension when you get in a relationship of like, Oh, I like, what do I do now? Like, I'm so used to being single. There are certain parts where it's like, I've always like referred it, referred to it in my life, like relationship, Josh, he's got a lot of work to do like single Josh or just Josh, you know, who, who's kind of been doing it for so long and you kind of get in a groove. Well, what happens when you get in a relationship? You're going to be tested. There's going to be a lot of room for growth, and being aware that in your singleness, you you can grow and you need personal health. But when you do get in a relationship, it's going to be an adjustment. It's going to be growth. It's going to challenge you. It's going to you have to be open to that um, level of discomfort because there's going to be that growth and change there. So, kind of like you were saying, Esther, like that. I think a lot of people might. As you maybe have, you know, those longer periods of singleness, you can get into a relationship and be like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good. Like, this does not feel right. And it's like that's another thing is being aware of kind of your own um, levels of personal health, personal growth, and just how that really affects your walk in singleness, your walk in relationships, whatever that may be. But it's so easy to just kind of put that all to the wayside and say, Okay, I'm just going to wait for a relationship and that's going to then I'll start growing, then I'll be okay, then some of these problems will go away. And God was saying like to me he was speaking like man, if I give you this relationship, you're not ready for it. Like like you're in a spot where you need to like for me at the time it was I hated my job. Um there was some things that like I just needed to pray about like kind of like the things that God put on my heart for like my future. Um, dreams, stuff that was like, oh, I'll do this one day, and it was this period of my life where I just like said, "Why not now? Like, I'm just gonna do it now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of, you know, start those, that you know, start working towards those business ideas, or, or start, you know, um, that's when I started writing my book. It was like this moment of like, okay, just do it now, like, and that was a moment where things started clicking me, clicking for me, of the future is not something I need to wait for, like. like why like there are things we need to be patient for but like god's calling us to live in today and what is he calling you to do today that was the thing i started really focusing on is unless there's a relationship for me or a step i can take towards a relationship unless there's something i can do today i'm not going to worry about it because that's all i can really do is what is in front of me today and that really helped kind of lift the weight off my shoulders of worrying about the stress about relationships is unless there's something that God is stirring my heart to do today, what else can I really do? It, you know, you can't make relationships appear out of you know nothing. You have to trust God and put it in His hands. So, yeah, that's kind of what God shown me about like really some important personal health issues. Is like don't expect a relationship to kind of fill in all the gaps um, that you need to address. But yeah, it's an adventure. It's
2: good.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like and Esther, what is your recommendation to to people who are are single and they want to go from singleness sucks to singleness shouldn't suck? Like, yeah how do you, how do you how do you convince them? Because I mean, for me, it was like God just had to shake me up and just give me a a realization that that I was idolizing marriage and and I, I shouldn't be allowing that to be an idol in my life. And for for other people, you know how how do you try to explain it to them for for that transition in life?
2: Yeah, well, I think that um, assuming that the the people listening are are believers are avidly mm-hmm. seeking Jesus and um, going after Him because that really changes the game in singleness. Yeah. Really, it's like a whole one eighty. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that we are the common few that we are called to live not average lives and that we're called to live unconventional. the Bible says many are called fewer chosen and what does it mean to be the chosen one because sure yeah we can all raise our hand but how many of us are going to get out of our seats? What does it require for us to be chosen? So obviously there's more than the there's more than just the um, just being willing. You have to be activated. You have to be fully engaged. You have to be available for God. And I think what even Josh was saying was that he realized, I got to shake off this average mindset, this passivity, this kind of looking at my life through this lens of just I'm a bystander waiting on the sidelines. Like tap me in, coach, whenever you're ready. No, you are the main character of your story. You are Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, head player. You're in the front lines of what God has called you to. Quit waiting for some like magical thing to happen in your life or for an audible voice of God or for your Hallmark story to just, you know, spark out of thin air, man, like seek God, go after those dreams. Like Josh said, Hey, I'm not satisfied with my job. Great. Having that revelation means now something is required of you. There's a responsibility now to take Mm -hmm. action. And I think that a lot of singles stay in this really this passive zone of, of just kind of. Wasting away their weekend nights because oh I don't have anyone to go out with or oh I'm just going to go out with the girls or the guys and we're just going to have a good old time. But they're never actually being intentional about casting vision for their future. They're not being intentional about getting up early, working on that business idea, going mm-hmm. to uh, you know conferences, reading personal development books, or reading books on theology. Why do you believe what you believe? Like I really just believe that God wants us to fully engage with who He created us to be, and that He wants to awaken eternity within us awaken a longing for so much more to realize the plan is bigger than just be single date get married have three kids and a white picket fence and have a marriage for 30 years and then go on to heaven like Mm -hmm. no there's so much more there's so much more at stake like i truly believe like we can't even afford to go through singleness mindlessly and just Through a spirit of confusion and delusion, Mitt, no, we need to live with intention. We need to live with passion and be fully engaged with who God has called us to be.
1: Absolutely.
2: Got to wake up to life, man. I mean, like, I mean, even like, I I think, I think about the radical things that I did in singleness and I'm still doing it today. I'm still living radically. I'm still wanting and desperately trying to share the love of God with people. Just today I was out getting my nails done. This woman sits down next to me. I feel God's love for her. And I'm just like, okay, God, what do I say? And he's like telling me some things to say. I'm like, that's super awkward. How do I say that? (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. he's walking me through this moment of just being fully present. I'm not thinking about my boyfriend. I'm not thinking about, you know, what else is required of me. I'm not thinking about fantasizing on my future wedding. I'm just in the moment and Mm -hmm. and trying to hear from God on this person and and trying to live outside of what are my needs? What do I want? What, what is like my desire? No, God, what is your desire? What's your heart? And then being bold and acting in those moments. And I'll tell you in singleness, I had some of the most radical crazy experiences like that, that I got to be a part of changing people's lives and being just fully engaged with just living uncommon. And I think we need more of that.
1: Yeah. And like, what do you think have been some of the biggest revelations that that you have found going from from your singleness into your relationship?
2: That truly there is no satisfaction and no happiness like the the tangible love of Jesus. Yeah. Like, I mean, when people would tell me, oh, your your spouse can't make you happy. Your relationship can't make you happy. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. You know, we just hear that a lot. But truly being in it, this is like the longest, greatest relationship I've ever had. And, you know, mm-hmm. definitely solid, headed in the right direction, headed towards marriage um, and healthy and all of that. But I will tell you that it's not as fulfilling as I thought it would have been. Hmm. It's not fulfilling in the ways in which I had intimacy with Jesus in singleness. And still now, I still have that great relationship with the Lord. But Mm -hmm. it's so different because, man, when when I would be, my heart would be hurting or I I would be grieving or I'd be in pain or I'd be sad or disappointed or whatever, God would meet me in that moment and fill me with such joy, satisfaction, peace, and love, right? And I almost expected Cody to do the same for me in this relationship. I'm like, "Hello, I'm waiting for you to like fill me with like your your <laughs> love and just bless me with your presence and d- be perfect." No, only God is perfect. Mm-hmm. And so I had this like holy expectation in my relationship to be fulfilled in that same way and almost wrestled with it. I was like, "Oh, maybe this isn't right because like I'm not like encountering God the same and I'm like <laughs> mm-hmm. like Cody's just not doing it for me like Jesus used to, <laughs> and, yeah. and I realized, oh, so this is it. This is—I mean, it's amazing <laughs> yeah. and love and falling in love and all that is amazing, but it's not like ultimate fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And that's the greatest revelation because I really realized, wow, Jesus, you literally are the greatest love that we'll ever know. And as yeah. cheesy as that to say to singles I mean I think there's a better way we can say it and a better conversation we can have because there's still that longing when you're singleness you still have that longing but in a relationship it's like wow I, I have everything I need outside of this person and it's cool that that we can explore life together
1: yeah what do you think are the things that hold single people back from great healthy relationships mostly <laughs>
2: That is a beefy question. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I would love to hear from Josh. Josh, do you have something to add into this?
0: Yeah. Um, always something. I don't know if it'll be completely on track with what we're talking about. But no, one thing I was, um, well, what, and it kind of ties in with Tom's question is I think mm-hmm. we have an unhealthy re- a relationship with our expectations around relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes. How often is singleness solely focused on yourself to say, what do I want in a relationship? What do I want from someone? What do I like? It's all about me, me, me. You put that into a relationship. It's not about you. It's about the other person. So how yeah. often are, are we, we fail to really promote this focus on, are you wanting to get into a relationship for yourself and just to fulfill yourself? And is that your focus? Or are you looking to get into a relationship for the joy that you can have in really trying to love another person and be like to love them. Like Jesus loves them. Like to, you know, really like the biblical side of marriage where it's, it's basically, you know, it says to basically do this for the other person. Don't expect like, you know what I mean? Like that's how Jesus loved, but we create this whole narrative around relationships that says, Oh, what are you looking for in a, you know, in a relationship? What do you, what are your, you know, what is your type? What is all that? And it's like, we we focus so much on self, then we get into relationship and we're still focused on self when God's like, That's not how this works, that's not how any of this works, like, yeah, you need to stop and say, Okay, how do I love the other person without any expectation on return to to love? Like, you know what I mean? It's this if I love the other person because that's what God's calling me to do, and if I'm in a healthy relationship, then there will be the return. Of love to me, but that's not how you actually. If you have that expectation to say, "I love to receive love back," like that's my driving factor, yeah. You never, you're never fully content. It's like saying, "I'm going to give, uh, Tom, I'm going to give you ten dollars, and then this whole time, I'm going to wait until you give me ten dollars back." And guess what? I'm never going to buy
1: you something with ten dollars you gave me, or to get
0: something back in inequality. (laughs) So the thing is I'm losing out on enjoying giving you that $10 like the, just the joy of giving. Right. And then I'm losing out on the joy of that. And then I'm also losing out on the joy of like actually receiving from you because I'm expecting it. Mm -hmm. And like, if you look at the love that we're supposed to have for people, it's not connected to the reception of something back because we did something. And I think in relationships, our whole narrative is based on, Oh, Oh, it's about you in that relationship. And that is the most like polar opposite from the biblical perspective of love for people. Yet we just promote it and we we tell single people that it's all about you in that relationship. And then they get into it and they're like, oh, I actually have to love the other person. They're not just going to love me. And I kind of get away scot-free with not having to do much. And I know there's this balance between you have to understand like you don't just throw yourself completely to the weight. I don't know, you kind of do. Like you have to take yourself out of the picture of of you being the focus. Like yeah, you want to like be aware like don't get into any relationship that's that like oh, I'm going to get into a relationship. I don't really care about the other person. Like like you should probably like want to be in a relationship with the other person. So it, there's a little bit about you that you should probably mm-hmm. be aware of. But when it comes down to it, if you're selfish going into a relationship and like focusing on your singleness in a selfish way, how can you then choose to be selfless when you get into that relationship when that's all you ever do is think selfishly? Um, So I think the narrative around singleness is really, the narrative around relationships is really hurting people because we're not highlighting the selfless uh, love that you need to have to actually have a meaningful and and joy-filled relationship. And honestly, people can practice that in their friendships. Like if you're single, you know, selflessly love your friends, like give them gifts, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you feel like you can do to love them, do it without any expectation of that in return. And you're going to find a lot of joy in that friendship, in that relationship. And then when you practice that in in a, you know, maybe a romantic relationship, you're going to be like, oh, this, this works just the same. Like, that's just another person that I can do the same thing that God called me to do and love them, like without putting myself, you know, putting their needs before my own, like that's the Bible, right? That's the biblical narrative around how how we care and love for people. So I think that is like kind of a a moment where if you put yourself in this, you know, in the back seat, you'll find that there's that's the where you find the most joy, and you take the you take the focus off of like oh I need to find the perfect person because if mm-hmm. not then I'm not gonna feel love. It's like you can. If you focus on, okay, I want to find someone that I can, like, that really God wants me to love. And, like, am I the right person for them to love them the way God's called me to love them? Um, and kind of shifting the focus to be like, okay, are they the right, you know, instead of are they the right person to love me, am I the right person to love them? But it's it's kind of a, a it's it flips it on its head a little bit, and it's a little bit different narrative. But really, I think that's what the Bible really speaks on. In relationships and I just don't really hear that a lot because it's like Mm -hmm. oh it's not about you you know get over yourself and and love people the way God's called you love them it's like oh that's hard so
1: I mean I think I think that relationships and especially marriage teach us to unconditionally love imperfect people because you know like like you're saying we can have this idea of what marriage should look like and everything should be perfect but in reality we're all sinners I mean we can we can look to Jesus and know He's perfect and we can love him knowing he's perfect, but then taking the perspective of Jesus, knowing that Jesus loves us unconditionally, even though we're sinners and we mess up, and we do things that metaphorically spit in his face, and we have to love people in that same way because loving people they're they're going to mess up they're they're going to. Make us upset. They're going to disappoint us, but we have to just love unconditionally. And those are some of the things: relationships, not even romantic relationships, mm-hmm. but relationships with friends. But those are things that that they can teach us.
2: Yeah, that's good. And I want to I want to address your question that you asked, um, t- Tom, because sure. I think that I love where this is going, but I kind of want to bring a different perspective. Let's go. So you Let's go. Said, you said, "What is hindering singles from having healthy relationships?" Right, mm-hmm. and then Josh, you brought the perspective of everyone being self-seeking, and what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Right, mm-hmm. which I totally agree with you. You brought the biblical perspective of no greater love than this than a friend who lays down his life for another friend, right? And so that is the reverse-engineered perspective that God has built within. Uh, within love is that we die to self in order to somehow experience the life that true love has to give, but we have to do that dying first to experience it, which I completely agree with. That. And I 100% would say that that does hinder many singles because they are so self-seeking and they have their laundry list of what they're looking for. But mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would put pause on that. Let's put that to the side. And then okay. I would ask. Say, let's look at how God actually created us with the celebration of preference Mm -hmm. and the beauty of desire, right? So Mm -hmm. he gave us desires of our heart. Mm -hmm. Well, desires of our heart are sometimes difficult to navigate. Why? Because we have the disillusionment of the desires of the flesh. And the desires of the world. There's three types of desires the Bible talks about. And so we have the this wrestling of all of these desires. It's like, oh, I want a girl like this. I want a guy with this type of height and hair. And I want this and I want that. And I want him to love God. I want him to be kind and gentle. We have all these desires that are swirling around that we have to sort through and sip through in order to find the ones that are true desires of our heart. And oftentimes it's the thing we never knew we wanted that's the true desire of our heart. That's why why it's such a journey of surrender with God. But yet at the same time, He's given us the autonomy to live this out. He's given us the autonomy to have a journey experience with Him. That's the key. Is that His presence and His His purpose and His Word is what leads us and guides us. And I would say that part of the beauty of singleness is navigating desire. And understanding, I mean, like, let's use the analogy of of the objective of eating, right? We all need nutrients. We all need food. The objective of eating is to fill our bodies so that we have energy, so it can sustain us. But yet God gave us taste buds. So we all get to choose what type of food we like. We get to choose, oh, I didn't used to like that. Now I'm starting to really enjoy that. Okay. And now I'm starting to eat healthier. I'm starting to experience the byproducts and the benefits of of eating healthy. And so we have this experience as we are fulfilling the objective of eating. Yes, like that is being fulfilled, but we also get to enjoy the experience. So I think that there's a lot of confusion that happens in the season of singleness because we have like on one hand, a lot of times the church is like, die to self, you don't deserve to have Preferences, just let Jesus Mm. pick your spouse. And there's like, okay, like we all want to serve Jesus, we all want to please him. So we're like, okay, God, like send me him. I'm just praying for him, God. I'm praying for her. And we become passive, spiritually, overly spiritual. It's not, I wouldn't even call that spiritual because I think it's so like misappropriated spirituality. It's misappropriated spirituality to. You are abdicating, you're abdicating your authority and your leadership. You're abdicating, your, just like who you are in this life and the calling on your life. You're abdicating it and saying, oh, that's, I'm not going to pick that up. I'm not going to lead that. Jesus, God, you do that. But he's like, I'm not human. I already came. I already did all the things to give you the blueprints to how to live the life. You're human. I put you in this time right now go live a life honoring and obedience to me. And I'm going to lead you every step of the way. And we're uncomfortable with that because we think that we just need to pray three prayers and fast and read the word in order to get the spouse and do all the things. And that's how God wants to lead us. When really there's a whole experience and journey he wants to take us on. So
1: yeah. Good. And it's a beautiful journey. Addis for
2: sure. It is. It is. And I think that, back to that question that we put put aside mm-hmm. of of what hinders healthy relationships and singleness mm-hmm. i believe that the journey of desire there's disillusionment in attraction there is disillusionment caused by a spirit of lust and perversion there's mm-hmm. disillusionment of what we should want and what we should be looking for and we have all of these contingencies and we're saying oh i want i want this this and this and this but i want her and him to love jesus right but it's like yeah Okay, but where's your heart at with that? And Are you Mm -hmm. really are you actually just falling for the seductress woman, the adulterous woman talked about in Proverbs 7, who you're just being lured into by her smooth legs and smooth talk and really and you're and you're just slapping a Jesus sticker on it. But that's not true love and that's not true attraction, godly and holy, beautiful attraction and Mm -hmm. sexual desire doesn't look like that. And I'm telling you, I feel like there's such a stronghold and there's mm-hmm. such misbeliefs and wrong thinking and yeah. just an inundated in culture of so many singles, Christian singles, they're they're saying no to dates, they're saying no to opportunities, they're sitting on the sidelines and they're being lured in by these traps and these temptations that are mm-hmm. it says it, it's a road that leads to death.
0: Yeah. Truly really good. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say um I would agree you know completely on that. I think the the ability to understand your desires, those desires like the things that God has put on your heart, it is something that you have to go to God with go to God in prayer with and say, "Lord, as I pray about relationships, as I pray about the things you've put on my heart, what is from you and what is not from you?" And that's something I've prayed for years yeah. is, "Lord, I don't want to have these expectations that are not from you, or the, this, this this these desires for a relationship that are not from you, that are from my flesh. Like, help me to weed that out and say, like, oh, that is maybe something that's just really not something that God's put on my heart, but it's maybe a, a, a thing of lust, it's a thing of my flesh. Yeah. Because the thing is, if we don't understand that, if you don't know how to categorize those things in a sense to say, like, okay, Lord, what have you put on my heart and what haven't you? Then what happens is, as as single Christians get older, people just say, "Oh, you're too picky. You're you're like, oh, you, you, your standards are too high." All this stuff. So then you start questioning your desires, like, "Oh, but God, you this is what you like. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I feel like you put on my heart." And again, that's a balance. That's a walk with God. That's a trust. A trust you have to really bring to God, and say, "Lord, I don't. What do I do with these these desires? And how do I process them? What does this look like in me pursuing a relationship?" Because we can't just throw our our desires completely out the window and say, I'll just date anyone. And then you can't just say, I'm Mm going to follow every desire I have and say, this person has to meet everything. Otherwise, I'm not dating anyone. There has to be a balance. And really, I think God expects us to follow him every day to understand more and more what that looks like personally to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And this is the thing with anything in, in your in your walk with God is if you really want to have a better understanding of your walk with God, of what he has for you, what what the plans he has for you, it's daily that he shows you. It's not once. He doesn't show you this is who I have for you yeah. and we're done. He says, follow me and I'll show you this desire one day maybe and then this desire the next like and then I'll show you that desire but in a greater way. So that's the biggest thing is there's no you can't just take the easy way out. We have to in those situations where we're trying to understand ourselves more, it's through daily walking with God and bringing that before him. And we can't just pick a side. And like so often we're, we or too easily we can do to say, Oh, this, this is what someone at church told me. I'm too picky. So I'm just going to date a whole bunch of people or like the opposite, swing to the opposite side. So I think it has to be between you and God really go for God, go, to, go to God for those things and see what he tells you. And don't take a lot of second-hand conversation from other people about your desires and how God created you to be. Like, find out for yourself. no formula. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. And it's important to navigate between what is attraction and what is lust. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because those two can easily be confused for, for one another. You can be lusting after somebody and think that you're attracted to them. But you need to be able to decipher between you know what it is you're looking about them that you find beautiful mm-hmm. and what it is about your expectations of how you interpret beauty. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. those are very important things to be able to look at. And part of that is also living a lifestyle of purity and yeah. chasing after what God has for you in purity. God calls us to purity. God does not want us to be just indulging in everything that pops right in front of us. God is not a God of instant gratification. He's a God of of waiting, a God of patience, and he wants us to experience the long-term gratification of what he has for us. Because, you know, somebody that's not married, they could just go out and they can have sex, and it's going to feel really great in the moment, but that's going to have very negative long-term impacts of their life of of their the rest of their single life or what goes into their marriage there are going to be some negative impacts of that we have a god that loves us he is gracious and he is redeeming and and he can he can make beautiful things out of mistakes that we make as as sinners as humans but it's something to keep in mind that you know the decisions we make today we're going to live out the results of those decisions and the compound effect of those decisions. So that's where it's important to to start off with every every day-to-day decision. Because, you know, what's what's gonna feel better than just having sex with a person that's willing to have sex with you while you're single is is going to be having a healthy relationship with somebody, refraining from sex till marriage, and then when you reach marriage, it's, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing, and it creates an even more incredible, long-term, beautiful picture that God intends. Right. Having a f- healthy family unit, you know, having children, and just a healthy marriage. You know, There's so many different aspects into play there, but something that people need to you know, keep in mind is, is just how those, those decisions, they may seem small. In the moment, they might seem irrelevant, but there's going to be long, long-term long negative compound effects from bad decisions and long-term positively compounding effects from the good decisions we make. and And God wants us to make the decisions that have those long-term compounding positive effects to give us an incredible overall life that's going to benefit us so much better than just grabbing at every thing that grabs our eye right there and then in the moment.
2: So good. As you're saying that all I keep keep hearing is play the long game. Yeah. Play yeah. the long game in singleness. That is what it's all about. Because mm-hmm. the short game is not what's going to take you to the World Cup. The short game is not yeah. what's going to get you first place. And, um, you got to put in the time and to play the long game, you have to, you have to train, you have to get up early. You have to freaking Kobe Bryant it, and you Mm -hmm. have to go and, and push the limits of what is comfortable. And just, I just want to encourage everyone listening to break out of this average mindset, average lifestyle, average singleness, average dating and really press into what it means to live beyond the societal expectations and social norms of of what that looks like. Really go to God and really define what is dating supposed to look like to you, for you? What is singleness supposed to look like for you? Mm -hmm. And and really start living radically, radical obedience, radical fun. Like this is not boring. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's not.
1: It really isn't.
2: I've ever lived. And so anyone trying to tell you or make you buy into the belief that living for God and and living abstinent and living pure is not fun. They're crazy. They yeah. are absolutely crazy because the benefits and the rewards on the other side of this obedience is absolutely mm-hmm. mind blowing.
1: Yeah. Oh, well said. Oh man. I love that. And yeah, I think on that note, I think we're going to wrap it there. Cause you said that just so beautifully, but you know, I really want to hear, you know, what a, what a favorite verse or a verse that has been on your heart lately that you'd like to share with us.
2: Oh, sure. Oh, you know, I love this question. It's like, okay, how much do I actually know the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I will say, I don't, I don't know the actual, um, reference, but I will say that verse, no greater love than a, than a, Man who lays down his life for a friend yeah. has just been so powerful, especially in my relationship because you really do you get to you get a, a better understanding of what love really is mm-hmm. when you learn how to die to yourself and the beauty that comes out of that is life-changing. And I think that falling in love looks a lot like falling into a grave and (laughs) learning how to give up what you thought love should be and surrender to really what it really is. And then the experience outside of that is, it's transformative. It's beyond a Hallmark movie. It's beyond Nicholas Sparks. It's beyond butterflies even. It's, I believe that it's a breath of eternity and it's, it's a tangible experience of what Jesus has done for us.
1: Absolutely. So so where can where can people find you on social media? And also, where can they find your book?
2: Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. It's at Estes. That's E-S-T-E T E four S's. Yes. Uh, it's an old nickname someone gave me back in the day. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I run with it. And then you can get my book on Amazon.com or SinglesHouldn'tSuck.com.
1: All right, and that book is "Single Shouldn't Suck." Esther, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a blast, uh, just a great conversation, and I love seeing what God has been doing through you in in this journey and, and what God has laid on your heart.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it, and thank you guys so much for just pointing singles to Jesus and reminding them that the journey is is so worth it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. I'm I'm happy that we can be here, and and so so thankful that God has laid it on both of our hearts. Yes. Woo! So, everybody out there, uh, we really appreciate you. Be sure to like, subscribe, share this with your friends that could use the encouragement in their journey of singleness. But mostly, be sure to get out there and seize the day. Maximize every chapter in your life. We'll see you next episode. All right.
2: So look the adventure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Thriving in Singleness podcast. Look for new episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.